you can reach these heights and it's possible to reach these heights as long as from the very beginning you were taught that doing impossible sounding things is exciting and that fear is exciting hello and welcome back to the next episode of the trail running moon podcast i realized listening to another podcast that i never introduced myself so if you haven't been listening to this show from the beginning, which is pretty common. I'm Hillary. I'm your host. I live in Vancouver, BC, and we talk to women around the world about their running journey. And we talk to the best in the world and the mid-packers and the DNFs. So it's been a lot of fun and I cannot believe how fast time is going. It's mid-February, you guys. So the days just keep on passing, but they're getting longer and it's going to get nicer and trail running is just going to get better as we get closer to summer. So today's guest is Anoushe and she is currently in Vancouver, but originally from Lahore in Pakistan. And she considers herself mainly an academic, but has this amazing passion for running. And she's so good at describing it through various anecdotes that I love this conversation so much. So she came to Canada and she started to get into trail running because she was living near the mountains. And she just had this way of connecting with the community so quickly. So she kind of talks about how she met people, how she got involved, and then how she was just drawn to the long distance races. So she did a 50K last year and she definitely wants to do 100K in her future. So she talked about how she feels running as a woman, especially in an area that she doesn't know and how she's kind of had to deal with the dangers that come along with that, as well as, you know, learning that your body, I think to summarize, just goes slower than your brain sometimes. So when you're loose, used to being very smart, and being able to pick up things quite quickly, it can be frustrating that you do have to just take the time to adapt to running. So I always find that such an interesting kind of difference with people uh, like Anoushe as well. So she is so much fun. You guys are going to love her energy. So huge thanks to Anoushe for taking the time to come on the show. So a couple various things. I have the pre-made 50k if you're looking one now available that comes with a coaching call so we can really personalize it to you. So if you want to check that out, if you go to our Instagram at Trail Running Women Pod, you can reach out to me there or there's a link in the bio, one of those Linktree devices that has link to my website and all the coaching info as well as Patreon. So Patreon is where we have a backlog of all of the old episodes as well as hopefully some maternity leave bonus episodes, which who knows what those will be about with an overtired me. So those will be coming up quick in the next few months too. And a couple of people have asked to have one up there on this times, this times, this pregnancy's running journey because it's so different from my first time that I was pregnant. So I did one at the very beginning, but things are definitely different now that I'm approaching nine months. So if you guys want to hear anything about that and my like personal running updates, I think that's where they will be, some solo casts and stuff. So feel free to reach out with topics and questions you want me to cover there. Okay, I think that's all I'll say for now. I'm just excited to get you guys into this interview. So here is Anoushe. I have a guest today I'm so excited to chat with who was actually recommended to us by Jenny Quilty, who is a longtime guest on the show. And there's kind of two sides to your story. One, about how strong you are academically and 
being, I think, a very high achiever, and then the other getting into running and what I can tell from your bio, letting just your passion kind of guide you in the sport. And I love how both of those things have come together for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and welcome to the show, Anushe. Thank you so much for inviting me. um, And thank you to Jenny, if you're listening, for recommending me as well. Yes, I'm sure she will be listening. So as we normally do, let's get a brief intro on where you are from, where you're living now, and then we'll get into how you started running. Okay. um, I'm originally from Lahore, which is a city in Pakistan, and I actually moved here fairly recently, uh, literally a few months, um, almost a year before COVID hit. Um, And uh, yeah, I moved as an immigrant, but I also moved because I got this job at SFU. And so it was very... Like, I thought it would be temporary. I thought I'm going to come here for a little while. I'm going to go back. And then COVID hit and the world changed. And I, my kids ended up settling here and I just ended up staying here. So yeah, that's how the move happened. Um, But I was a runner before I came, but not seriously at all, by which I mean, I was very active. I did, um, I actually worked part-time at a local gym in my hometown um, as a hit instructor of all things, but running was, you know, five to seven kilometers, um, had a group of amazing people in Lahore, um, who I'm still in touch with, who still follow me. And some of them even follow Jenny on Instagram. Um, and so, yeah, I moved here. Um, and do you want me to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I moved here and then I knew no one. So I moved to British Columbia because SFU was here, but all my family and friends and so on, anyone who I know even vaguely was in Toronto, I knew absolutely no one. I had one friend who um, lived about 40 minutes away. Um, And so I kind of was looking for community, right? And I found a group of runners who was running every week around um, Burnaby Lake, which is very close to where I am. And I went out and I met them and I did my first ever 10K with them. And it just so happened that the first few runs with them, um, they were only men. And I asked them about that. And I said, you know, I'd love to know if there are other female runners who do groups that you could point me toward. And they told me, they said, you know, right up where you live, there are a group of women who run every week in the mountains. Now, this was, I've never heard of trail running before. I never knew what an ultra was before. And so this was very strange to me. I said, what do you mean they run in the mountains? (laughs) Yeah, they run in the trails. I actually had to look up what a trail was because that's not what I would have called it. Um, (laughs) And so I Googled them literally. And this was the Ladies of the Trails, which um, is headed by the people who own Capra over in Squamish. Um, And one of their groups, it just so happened, did a beginner run right next to where I was living. And oh my God, I don't know how to tell you. I went on that one beginner run and I was just completely hooked, as I'm sure happens to so many of us. Um, But yeah, I, I was very scared of going out in the trails on my own when I tried after I'd run with them because it just seemed so dark and scary and I didn't know where it was going to lead. But it was like almost like I couldn't stop myself. And then when I met them um, for the next round, I told them, I said, guys, aren't you scared? Like it's very, we're alone and we're women and women get attacked everywhere, right? Is that, and all of them shared stories over the years that I've been running with them. So many people have shared stories of how, yeah, that does happen, but you know, you're going to go anyway, right? So be safe, find groups, tell someone where you're going and just go. 
And uh, this to me, I think was a really empowering part of the journey. And yeah, it just went on from there. I found actually the thing that really ended up forming my goals and where I'm at now and the fact that I've from this very short introduction, run my first 50K and signed up for my first 50 mile next year (laughs) is also that um, during this time, I saw online an ad for the Squamish 50. And it wasn't an ad, it was someone's post. Like it was very personal sort of ad for the fact that they had managed to sign up for the 50K. And they had this picture and this huge smile. And I remember looking at it and thinking, 50K? (laughs) Like... This is, I mean, and you know, you know who you are when you feel your reaction to that. Not 50K, oh my God, but 50K, oh my God, I got to get me some of that. <laughs> and, and and yeah, it was from that point on, I knew that I was going to aim for it. I actually volunteered at one of the Coast Mountain Trail um, runs before I even got in touch with Jenny and Katrina um, because I knew that would happen, but I didn't have the guts to say it out loud that this is the huge goal I'm going to aim for because when I, when I had thought this and when I had done the volunteering, I'd never done a race in my life, right? I'd never raced. I'd, um, and so, yeah, I signed up with them. And I don't think I confessed to even Jenny until I'd signed up for it, that this is what I really want to do. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll stop there because I think I've gone on for a while. You have, but it's awesome. All of it. I love it. And there's so many things I'm having to take notes that I want to come back to and kind of touch on for a second. I mean, one of them is I'm hearing two things, kind of this, oh yeah, I went out with this group and wanted to discuss with them the safety aspect and are they afraid? And I definitely want to dig more into that. But the other side of it is you're in a new country with people that you don't know. You've signed up for this group that is going to run 3K maybe longer than you've run before that is primarily men, which is the complete opposite of that. That is so brave because most people sit kind of alone for a long time, wondering how they're going to get involved in the, in the community. So when you found this group and you started going out and, and like really taking action to get to be a part of it, um, was that scary for you or was there anything you had to overcome or are you just a really good kind of people person? Um, I won't. I, I am a people's person over over the years. The privilege of being able to be a people's person has come home to me in many different ways. Um, and so I recognize that. But having said that, I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, I was terrified because I uh, I had no idea. And, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in a context where, um, you know, you're also told that uh, you're not safe in particular settings. Um, you're also told that people won't accept you in particular settings. And so you're always unsure when you enter a new space that uh, am I OK here? Um, and so I think that's kind of, you know, the stories people carry with them, right, that you, that kind of prevent you from reaching out. And I think one of the things that I found with that group was how amazing and welcoming they were. Um, And it's not just amazing and welcoming. It was kind of, I mean, so to give you context, one story that I think highlights more than any kind of uh, analysis I could do of how I felt is I'm from a very, very hot country, right? So um, at the time when I moved, it was like over 40 degrees in Pakistan. And so 
uh, when I came here, it was 27 degrees, which is now warm. I even now I feel warm here at 27 degrees. But I was wearing a jacket and full length <laughs> tights, and I was running with these guys in the heat. They were dying, and they kept stopping at the water fountain and saying, "Okay, listen, do you need to drink water? Because I think you should drink water." <laughs> And I kept telling them, I said, no, I'm actually fine. I don't see how I can run without a jacket in this temperature. Um, but, you know, I mean, they could have said, wow, this looks insane. But they didn't. They said, hey, so how hot is it in Lahore right now? You know what I mean? Like, it was just the turn of the conversation was meant to make me feel like, hey, this is OK. You can totally be with us. And it was only when I asked, um, how can I find other women? Because I'd really like to run with them. that they put their heads together and they came up with a whole bunch of suggestions. I remember we were sitting at a Starbucks near Burnaby Lake and uh, yeah, they said, Oh, do you know anyone else? Yeah. What about your wife? Would she have other suggestions? Do you know what I mean? Like there was a, I'm just a random person who's interrupting their coffee is the way I thought about it. And so I think the way they spoke about it kind of gave me more of a, Oh, okay. This is something people do here. It's not out of the ordinary. Right. Yeah. They gave you an opening to, to be a part of it for sure. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That's also quite lucky because I mean, Vancouver does have a bit of a uh, reputation for not being super nice, but I think the trail running community and the running community in general is a little bit separate from that. So it kind of is just really lucky that you were a runner too. And that's where you found people and had this great first experience. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I feel lucky overall in that I, I haven't, felt that Vancouver is, uh, you know, a withdrawn community at all, maybe because I live in uh, Burnaby, right? So I'm in, I'm in the suburb. Um, I'm on Burnaby Mountain, quite literally, which is where SFU is. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's just the community there. I don't have an explanation, but, uh, and maybe it is the runners because the running community is, has been amazing. Totally. Um, and I think part of it is people react to you, how, with the energy you put out. And I can tell from speaking with you already that you're obviously like a lovely, oh. nice person to chat to. So it would be quite a terrible human to, I think, turn around and say something snarky, but that's a definitely a very random tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I think uh, even more so of the ladies of the trails who really have my heart. Um, yeah. And, and having met them, I mean, the kind of reaction they gave me was more of, you know, because what I wanted to do and what I was scared of saying out loud was as someone who's always been an academic, um, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to say, actually, I aspire to be like an athlete almost. Um, and I didn't have to ever say that. The community kind of gives that back to you that what do you mean you have to aspire to be an athlete? You're an athlete when you say you're an athlete, you know, like, um yeah. And so when I told them that, uh, you know, some of the people I was running with that, hey, I have these really big goals. I want to do this and I want to do this. And one of them was like, you know what, let's try it. Let's go and run the House Sound Crest Trail, which I now realize was a really big thing to have said <laughs> randomly. And we went and we did it and we couldn't walk by the time we were done. But um, my friend from the Ladies of the Trails now, Sarah Cook, if you're listening to this, I love you forever. Um, yeah, she and I just became you know, kind of hiking buddies uh, and and did these big kind of things, which made me more prepared for the fact that, hey, I can do this. I can reach out to someone who's a professional athlete like Jenny and Katrina and say, hey, guys, can you coach me? Yeah. So let's get into it. I mean, it's pretty cool to see. We actually have a lot of guests that say 
you know, they saw somebody run this 50K online and their perception of it is, wow, that's intimidating. And if that's what it takes to be a trail runner, I can't do it. Very common. That's people's like defense mechanism, initial reaction. So I really love that you saw this and you were like, yep, that's for me. Uh, So did you then reach out to Jenny to help you get to that 50K and talk us a bit through how training and increasing your mileage and all of that sort of went? So um, it took me some time to reach out to Jenny. It has been um, more than a year that I've been working with them now. Um, But when I did finally reach out to them, I did not say I want to run a 50K. I had signed up for a three-day stage race, which I never ended up doing. Um, And uh, that was what I originally signed up with them for. So, um, And then when when I got into it and when I finally signed up for the Squamish 50, um, I think it was uh, just the response that they gave when I told them, hey, this is what I want to do. And they said, oh my God, you have so much time. Uh, to give you perspective, it was not March yet. And so I had maybe eight months um, to train for it, but they were completely on board. And when I told them that, listen, my goal is I want to run a hundred kilometers by the time I'm 40. They were like, big goals are the best. Do you know what I mean? Like that was a very kind of, um, yeah, excited response from them. And for me, I think the training part, the hardest part about it is, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, right? I'm, uh, um, and so the fact that I would get injured if I tried to go at the pace I wanted to go at, and they've had to kind of tell me, okay, back up a little bit. Okay, when you're hurt, you have to rest, you know? Um, and we have to take it slow. And what ended up happening is sometimes uh, right at the beginning, I wouldn't tell them that I was hurting um, because I didn't want them to re- reduce my mileage. I would, And I would convince myself that I'm not actually in pain. Um, and I think that's part of, again, uh, kind of the way I was brought up uh, very much with this, uh, which I now call, you know, I mean, Toxic masculinity is a term that can apply to all genders, of course. But um, that was very much how I was brought up. I was taught to swim by being thrown in the middle of a pool, and um, you know, I and and I, I was good at it. Uh, so I kind of thought the way to do it is, you know, kind of just throw yourself into it until you can't breathe anymore, and then you get up and you're better, you know. Um, and so for me, trail running has been the opposite of that, and the training that Jenny and Katrina have put together for me has been the opposite of that kind of realize you have to respect your body. And in many ways, this is going to sound weird, but I 100% mean it. I think endurance running has been analogous to motherhood to where the ultra or the race is the child, the baby that you birth at the end. And the reason for that is because what you learn is that unless you're taking care of your body in order to bring forth that baby, (laughs) you better believe that the child will suck what it needs right out from your bones. And, <laughs> you know, um, and so I think thinking about it like that has made me back up a little bit and also enjoy the process a lot more because at the end, and this is the second way that ultra running is like birthing a baby because you you can put all your ducks in a row, you can have all your things in order. And at the end, the baby's going to come the way that they are. They are going to have their own personality and they may not want any of your plans. And in that same way, an, an ultra an race is its own beast, right? You, you don't know what's going to happen at the end. 
So you better be enjoying the process. Otherwise, when it goes out of your control, you're not going to enjoy the object, which is being an ultra runner or being a mother, you know? Um, so yeah, and, and I have to say, I've loved being a mother and I've loved the transition into being an ultra runner, even though it has been really painful at points. So I think for me, um, I've told Jenny recently that she stuck with me for the rest of her life, uh, <laughs> of my life, which she is, because her energy is very much like that. Um, the both of them are very like, oh, okay, this is how you're feeling today. Then let's run with that, you know? Um, and their focus throughout is always on, uh, you know, saying we're not dietitians, we're not nutritionists, but could you have been accidentally underfueling? Um, and that for me is such a powerful line to hear that, oh, did I forget about me because I was focusing on my goal? You know, yeah. did I forget that I have a body and that body needs attention? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard uh, like those two compared in that way, kids and ultra running, but you're so right. Can you tell us a bit about how the Squamish 50 went for you? Well, it started off uh, being absolutely amazing. I I was, my fueling was amazing throughout. Uh, and again, that's thanks to Jenny and Katrina. So my energy never actually dipped, which is something I'm very grateful for. But um, so it was actually about, I think it was 25, 30 kilometers in my period started. Mm. Um, and uh, now for, I know different people have different experiences. I have a terrible first day. I get hit with a migraine. I have chronically low iron as so many women do. And I um, bleed a lot. And so, uh, and have been more so since I'm older and since I've gotten older and so all of those things hit me, but the worst part of it was that I had forgotten to pack a tampon. <laughs> and um, and so I think what ended up happening was it wasn't what was happening in my body, although, by the way, my ITB band had flared up like nobody's business. Um, and so I was in that pain, but it was a pain I was expecting. You know what I mean? Like it had been bothering me in the in the training runs. This kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I think for almost two hours I walked and I cried the whole time because I was bleeding and I didn't have a tampon and I it was like my 11 year old me was came and walked next to me and to give you context 11 year old me was someone who started her period ahead of the rest of her class I went to a girl's school it was a conservative environment I um I had asked my elders uh that what is this and they hadn't told me beforehand. Um, and so it kind of, it, there was this association with shame that um, took many, many years to get rid I thought, took many, many years to get rid of. But it turns out I hadn't quite gotten rid of it. Um, and so really uh, what happened in those two hours is I gave up. Um, I, I think I gave up and I thought, I can't, I just can't put one foot in front of the other because people will be able to tell that I'm bleeding. And um how embarrassing is that? And how will I live this down? And those were the thoughts that were going through my head. Um, and it was all the people that I had managed to overtake on the hill who could have just run past me. I swear to you, almost every single one of them stopped and said, are you okay? Before going on. Um, and I think that kind of 
I know it's going to sound very dramatic, but held my heart almost like the fact that everyone was stopping and saying, are you okay? And I was like, wow, okay. I am not going to give up here. I do not have to end here. Admittedly, it took two hours for this entire process, you see. And I finally summoned up the courage to ask. um, I first asked one of the volunteers and she said, I'm not sure. You might have to wait until the next aid station because I don't have anything. And then it was another runner who said, oh, my God, I can't believe. I wish I had asked her name, by the way, because like she saved my race. Um, And I asked her, I said, do you have a tampon? And she was like... Uh, yeah, you know, it's so weird. I didn't need it, but I packed it. Maybe I just packed it for you. <laughs> and I was like, this was meant to be. So I went behind a tree and I put it on. And to give you context of this, um, it was when I first did my first race in March was the Dirty Duo. So that was the first race I've ever run in my life. Um, and then August was the 50K. And during the Dirty Duo, I took five hours to finish those 30K. And I did not pee once because I was too scared of doing it and being seen in the forest. And to this day, my entire group of women that I run with, who is an amazing group, um, they all joke with me. And two of them had to be with me the first time that I peed in the forest. And they were kind of like, well, you, you can do this. You can do this. Go there. Nobody's looking. And when I asked Jenny, it was a question that I asked her for the first time. And she was like, this is such an important question. You know what you got to do? You got to accept that if someone sees you, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> And I loved that advice. But so all of that kind of came together to the fact that I have a right to be here and I am a woman and I am bleeding and it is okay if I go behind a tree and put on a tampon. I can't believe I'm saying these words out loud. (laughs) Um, and, And so I did that. And then I reached the final aid station and there were still tears. And I looked at one of my um, uh, acquaintances, someone who I'd volunteered with before was volunteering. And I said to them, oh my God, I'm never going to make it in time. And he said, you know, you may not have checked the time because if you were to stand here for two hours and then walk, you'd still make it in time. <laughs> and I think I just needed to hear that. And then I ran the last 10 kilometers and got there. That is an epic first race. It absolutely is. But <laughs> What an adventure, which is kind of what you're out there for. Right, right. It really felt like that. It was, yeah, an amazing adventure. And I ended it and I was like, oh my God, I want to do that again. I mean, it's it's a crazy story, but it also is one of like such growth and awesomeness that you can take to your next race, which is all you can ask for, really. So I want to get into your goals for the future. But one thing that was in your bio that really stuck out was your story about almost getting kidnapped. And then again, like you mentioned before, everybody in Ladies of the Trails having an experience that was frightening. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate a bit on that. And if you find between Lahore and here, if there's a a difference or if there's just different sort of risks in both places that women always have to deal with. Yeah, um, I think one of the major things is I had an assumption before I came that things were completely safe here and that misses out the fact, you know, patriarchy is global. We all know that. Right. But I um, I had uh, so I I ran and I ran sometimes alone in Lahore in a place where uh, if you were to go to Pakistan, one of the things that would shock you probably would be that there are very few women on the roads on their own. Uh, and there are virtually none who are on a bike or um, 
uh, a motorbike or a bicycle, which is what the majority use for their um, day-to-day conveyance. So it, it does seem striking because in other places, uh, in what you call the global south, I guess, you don't have that kind of a distinction. Um, and I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it like that because I was already running there. But there is this constant alertness that you have to have. And um, the story I shared in my bio was my friend and I, when we were undergraduates, uh, we were going to a um, we were going to the mountains, actually. So we were going to, you know, uh, in the Himalayas in this beautiful trip that was uh, with the university. But uh, at the last minute, the university didn't let me go because I had had a surgery, an appendicitis removal um, a month ago. And they said, no, it's not safe. You you know, it might get complicated there and so on and so forth. Fair enough. When we were driving back, so it was really late at night, we almost got kidnapped off the road. And I don't want to share like too much of the details of that. But there was, um, yeah, there was this group of guys and it was at the very last second, like they literally got off uh forced our vehicle off and tried to drag us from our car. And it was at the very last minute um, because uh, a bunch of um, our friends had been close nearby and they saw what was going on. They drove up and, you know, kind of scared off those guys who had otherwise thought that we were alone, which we would have been if those guys hadn't come at the last minute. And so this this stayed with me. Um, And it's been many, many years, but to this day, if someone slows down their car next to mine or slows down next to me when I'm running, I can feel it in my in my stomach and I can feel my chest clenching. And so the same thing happens when it's dark. Um, and my dad has been, you know, kind of my, uh, you know, like, I guess, supporter throughout all of this. Like he's always been very Um, maybe a little bit more tough it out than you should be as many um, parents were in the 80s. But, you know, he was very like, okay, what do you need for you to get over this? You know, like, how do we help you stay out there? And so in that sense, and, and he was very supportive of me going out and running, of me doing anything that was active. He himself was a competitive swimmer. I mean, not anymore, obviously, but was in his youth. Um, and so, you know, it's every time I even share anything that I'm doing of his running, like, oh, you know, dad, it's snowing outside and I'm not sure it's okay for me to be alone when nobody else is outside. Plus it's the snow and we don't get snow in the city I grew up in. And so I was like, is it safe? And he goes, you know, Anusha, when we were younger, we would be sent next to the river Ravi <laughs> where there was mud and they would make us jump up and down the mud because that's how you build strength in your legs. So you must go out when it's snowing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very cute to, to hear things like that. Um, and so, I mean, coming back to this story, I this was my number one fear. And this was actually what pushed me, I think, to find groups because I knew when I tried running a couple of times alone that that feeling came back in my chest and my stomach. Um, and I and I know I love doing harder and harder things, but this is uh, something I can't push past. I, I need help. And, um, and so I, I reached out to people for help, really. And what I found interesting was when I first moved to SFU, there was Shortly after I started running in this place where I thought was safe, there was an attack on uh, an undergraduate by um, someone who was never found, but there was signs up all over SFU. This is right before COVID. 
And I, I can't tell you what that did to me, you know, because I was like, wait a second, I was running in the trails here. <laughs> um, and uh, and then actually it was, again, because when I was running with the ladies of the trails and I kind of, I didn't share this story, um, but I did tell them that, hey, so have you ever encountered anything? You know, like little questions like that. The same questions like that I started with, like, are you wearing a real full-on backpack on your back? You know, <laughs> alongside those kind of questions. Um, I asked this and they uh, kind of, I mean, in every group, there has been, I think, multiple stories of not actually anything happening, but of being very unsafe, stories of being chased, of um, sometimes just interacting with someone who it's a question mark of whether they were being funny or um, not. But even if they were just being funny, it was something that made them feel very unsafe. Um, and so I heard those stories and I kind of hardened my heart in a manner of speaking and thought, okay, I'm going to harden my heart in a good way. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try doing what I love doing, which is also running alone from time to time. And I went uh, finally encouraged by all of this. It took many years for this to happen. So about two years ago, I went to Norvan Falls, that trail. And um, there was someone there. There was nobody else in on that section slightly further up. And there was someone there who was not wearing a runner's outfit um, and, you know, who uh, kind of made fun of me for carrying a stick. Okay, yes, admittedly, I carry a stick when I'm running alone. Okay, it sounds ridiculous. People laugh at me. But when they ask, especially when they're couples who ask and they say, oh, is this for bears? I tell them, no, this is for men. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I always make a joke about it, but it's not for anyone, really. It's just to keep myself feeling safe and keep that feeling in my chest under control. Um, and while I was at the Norvan Falls Trail, there was a guy who stopped and said and laughed at said, you know, is this for bears the same question? And I don't know, there was something about and keep in mind that my um, my you know, kind of alert gear, whatever you call it, is on a very hairline trigger. So so I felt not quite right in that interaction. And so I said, yeah, it is. And was not trying to be funny or engage at all. And uh, they went ahead of me. And so I slowed down. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, they did make a few jokes about how it's funny that I feel unsafe. Um, and uh, yeah. And then when I, I stopped to let them go further ahead, because I noticed that they were keeping pace to just stay at pace with me, uh, they they chased me. Um, and I, I'm sure it was meant as a funny thing because they barely chased me for five seconds and I ran faster than I think I ever have um, all the way back to the front. And uh, this time, though, there wasn't fear. There was anger. I was, I was really angry at... Um, why I had been made to feel that way. And I've thought about it a lot. And I think one of the major differences between what is in BC, which is um, also home for me, um, and Lahore, one of the major differences is here, if you approach help, it is not your fault. And, uh, and, and I think that is a fact of uh, how women have kind of said, we won't tolerate this. And movements of women have said, 
this is our right to public space. You know, the same way the amazing women who are heading women's organizations in Pakistan are doing right now. That movement still is going to take time. But, um, you know, and, and that's what, you know, kind of happened at the end of that, because I I uh, I went to the office where there are um, the Parks and Rec people at the beginning. I'm sure you've seen it before of the of the trail. And because I was enraged, I told them, I said, what is this? Why has this happened? And there were three women there. And the way they reacted, I kind of, I think, changed. I don't think I would have gone alone again if they hadn't reacted the way that they did that day. Uh, they handed me a whistle. They gave me numbers. They told me that, listen, um, you whistle three times. And, you know, that's usually how things happen in terms of getting uh, help. But you should also maybe have a satellite phone. Um, I still don't have one, but, you know, they were like, and find other women and run with them. But absolutely, you should be able to run alone. You know, like it was just really this is just a thing that happened and shouldn't have happened. And we we have strategies to keep you safer. Um, yeah. And so I think for me, one of the, the turning points in feeling safer in the trails has also been this amazing woman who I've met and uh, Mirella, if you're listening, which you are because she listens to everything related to running that is out there on the internet. I'm not even joking. (laughs) (laughs) I met this woman. uh, I'd met her several times through the ladies of the trails already. Um, But I actually met Mirella at the trail tail end, sorry, of my um, dirty duo race. And it was that point, you know, when for me, I thought I was going to give up because it was my first race. I'd, slipped too many times in the snow. I was really, I was at the end of my tether. And uh, I met her and I just bumped into her because she had gotten uh, lost in between and had just gone on the side of the trail to use the bathroom. And she said, you know, Anusha, because you bumped into me, I wasn't able to be for the rest of that race. <laughs> and, uh, and she kind of, you know, I mean, the first thing she said to me at that point, she looked at my face and I think she could tell that this girl is done. And she said, hey, so I haven't met my time anyway. Do you want to maybe walk together? And just her saying that kind of made everything that I was thinking and feeling drain away. And I walked with her for a while. And then she looks at me again with a very quizzical kind of, do you want to maybe run for a few seconds? <laughs> and it's that kind of, and since then, I mean, Mirella just kind of, gathers people together to whoever wants to do long runs and stuff. And and she has this thing where she admits and says, no, I, I hate running alone. I feel scared. I feel like my head is on a stick where I'm constantly looking around um, to check. And so I keep looking for people who run with me. And so any Saturday that I want to run, there's so many options. Um, and Mirella is one of them who makes sure that the whole idea of her and the amazing group of women who I now regularly meet and run with is that um, we we can run together and we don't have to be scared. The main thing I'm getting is that even more than the fear is the community and the people, men and women, that are saying like, yes, you deserve to be able to run alone. You deserve to be able to run where you want and with a group. And that that is, in fact winning overall for you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So we are flying through time here way faster than I thought we would, but this is <laughs> a, been a great conversation. So one of the things moving on that you really kind of noted was that when you think of this feeling of having 
another goal, particularly 100K eventually, and I know you have a 50 mile kind of coming up, um, more so than even those races being on your bucket list. Um, can you describe that feeling that you have, that that like need to do these races and why you're so excited for them? I uh, This is a hard one for me to answer, so I'll just explain the feeling. It's a bit like, it's going to sound terrible. This is a bit like the feeling I had when I was a kid and I was first given this book to read in science class, which was like impossibly thick, right? I mean, I still remember it's a very boring book, by the way, but it was impossibly thick. And the teacher handed it to me and said, this is our textbook for the year. And I felt butterflies because those butterflies rising from my tummy into my chest and it was this feeling of oh my god I can totally do this like I'll show you (laughs) you know and it's not even just show you it's just this excitement of doing something that you perceive to be difficult to do Um, and of course my parents continually argue over who gave me that feeling (laughs) said my side of the family no it's my side of the family um but it's a feeling that I think any kid can be given I recently read this book by you know called do hard things oh my god I've forgotten the author's name forgive me we it would be great if we could mention it because it's terrible when you mention a book and don't mention the author's name um but um the, the book itself kind of says so many things that sounded familiar to me this idea of you know you can reach these heights And it's possible to reach these heights as long as from the very beginning you were taught that doing impossible sounding things is exciting and that fear is exciting. Um, I I don't know how else to describe that, but I have, I mean, just talking about doing a 50 miler or talking about, um, you know, doing 100K at some point in time fills me with this sense of, Uh, I don't know, electricity almost. Um, And I know that uh, that is also a weakness in some ways. So the piece that I struggle with and that um, I think Jenny and Katrina have been really helpful in kind of pulling me back with um, is that I, I feel like you can do all the things at once. And I think for me, the biggest challenge in this doing hard things journey is that it's equally hard to accept where you are and to know that sometimes you have to stop and it's okay for your dreams to shift a little bit. So I wanted to do the 100K this year and especially with the IT band flaring up the way that it was. I mean, it was literally snapping against my knee for the whole last 25 kilometers at the end. Um, You know, things like that kind of make you realize, okay, I need to build up more of a base. Accepting where I am also involves realizing, uh, I mean, I, I've never been a, a particularly fast runner. I, I love the fact that I can feel like I can go on forever, but, you know, I'm not about to make any podiums or anything of that sort. Although, of course, I dream about it, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not about to do that. And so accepting that that's where I am is really hard. I'm saying it very calmly right now, but there there is a feeling of tears and my stomach falling and all of that sometimes coming from the fact that I know that those goals may not be ones that I can have, but it's okay. And this is going to sound weird again, but I think recently Jenny posted something about from the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, talking about meditation, accepting where you are and so on. 
And when I saw that, I went back and then I, I read all of it. It's, I mean, of course, you don't have to agree with everything, but the the biggest thing there and that, you know, people who meditate say a lot is just kind of see where you are, love yourself as you are and accept where you are. That is something I'm still very much struggling with. Um, and I know that that's the piece to be an endurance runner who has these goals. That's a piece I have to work on still. So the mental game of being okay with um, maybe not achieving all those goals is harder for me than training for the big impossible goals. But one thing I I think is so cool is your like willingness to go towards fear and that that like you use the word electricity, which I think is so cool. So as I said, we're we're kind of nearing the end. And before I ask my my final quick fun question, I'd like to know if you have any advice for someone who wants to do these things and gets the same feelings from say seeing somebody do Squamish 50, but has a block with the fear and is maybe afraid to even just get out there or find a group like you did. Any advice of how to overcome that or how to get started? Definitely find your people, um, by which I mean any people who run, okay? And, And literally just go out and join them and don't, I mean, yeah, have your goals in your mind, but don't put those goals into your into your run, into your day. Um, yeah, I think that is the most important piece. So just go and meet people who are running. Join any one of the groups there. And don't be scared of not knowing people at these groups. Um, look for the ladies of the trails. They have beginner groups. Look for four trails. They have weekly groups. Look for Kintech running groups. They also have weekly groups. Look wherever your local community is. And there are also women's groups in every major city uh, that run in the trails for this exact same reason. So go find them or at your local running store and see how you feel with every run and make your goals accordingly. Yeah, but but don't, yeah, uh, don't just, if especially if you want to do it, um, don't allow yourself to say no or give up until you've gone out and met some of the people who are doing the same things you dream of doing. Yes. I love that, especially because it's so basic in a sense too. Like it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Just get out there, meet one person even on day one and your perspective might shift. You just never know. Yeah. And don't be afraid of asking them that, hey, do you run outside of this group and do you want company? Because people have their own groups that match their goals as well as running in bigger groups. So totally. That's how I've met my best friends for sure is just putting yourself out there a little bit. And you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Somebody says like, oh, no, this is all I run. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so last couple of questions. If you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be? Uh, wow, trail running in three words. It's a hard one. Yeah, it is. Um, scary. <laughs> okay. Um, scary, joyful, and come on, third word. Um. Oh, wait, no. Full of love. (laughs) I got it. I like that one. Oh, I like it. I love it. Some people take it like you started with three separate descriptors and then other people, yeah, can string three together that make total sense. So that was an awesome turnaround there. So I want to thank you so much for your time. Your story is so inspiring, but I think it's just your energy as a human that 
that really is awesome. So I'm so glad that you are sharing with us. Do you have a public Instagram or anything where people can reach out if they want to chat with you? And it's totally okay if not. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been amazing. I do actually, it's Anushay Malik. <laughs> and so A-N-U-S-H-A-Y-M-A-L-I-K. Um, and I share running stuff, but I share all kinds of other um, stuff as well. So. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And good luck in all of your adventures. And I'm sure that we will run into each other at a race one of these days. Thank you so much. This has been lovely. Thank you.